Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. So we started talking last week about the habitation, becoming the habitation of Christ. And the scripture that we were using is uh, kind of basing everything out of was Ephesians 2, 19 through 20. Two, you are therefore no longer strangers but for, or for, and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitly together grows into a holy temple unto the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So we talked a little bit last week about the difference between habitation and visitation. Visitation was how God manifested himself in the Old Testament. Habitation is how he wants to manifest himself in the New, in the new Testament or under the New Covenant. We talked about how if you're praying for a visitation from God, you're praying with an Old Covenant mindset doesn't mean you won't get a visitation. doesn't mean God won't come and visit you, but you're settling for a lot less than what God would have for you. And so we talked about some of those things. We're not going to go back over and, and go over it again, but I, I said last week that we were, we're, we're guilty sometimes of looking and trying to find obscure scriptures that we can kind of look at when sometimes we need to just look at the simple ones. We need to look at the ones that are, are well known, the ones that we we speak all the time but really don't get the depth of what is being said there. So we're going to look at one of those this morning. I've lost sleep over this one, I will tell you right now. We're going to talk this morning about habitation through crucifixion. Habitation through crucifixion. You may already know where I'm going. Galatians 2.20. Very familiar portion of the scripture. We quote this scripture all the time. But we don't really get, and I, I didn't really understand the depth of what Paul was really saying here. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but what? Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Now, there's probably not one of you here this morning that cannot quote that scripture. And we spend so much time, I think, and maybe rightly so, on the, 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 the aspect of being crucified with Christ. But maybe we don't spend as much time on the part where it says Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. We have got to get this pounded, pounded. Holy Spirit has to pound this into our spirits, folks. Christ lives in me. I'll try over here. We have to understand this. Christ lives 
in me. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. The moment that I said, Jesus, I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. The resurrection power of Christ came to dwell here. Right here. Easy, Mark. J.B. Stoney said this. A guy named, a man named J.B. Stoney said this. Unless Christ lives in you, you will struggle to progress. You will struggle to understand the things of Christ. If Christ doesn't live in you, if you don't have, if you don't have that concept and you, it hasn't registered with you in your spirit yet, you're going to struggle to progress in him. You're going to struggle really to understand, like we so many have talked about before, about our identity in Christ. We've, we've talked so much about that, and there's been so much taught about our identity in Christ, knowing who we are in Christ, knowing what's been afforded to us, what's been given to us. But you can't, if, unless you understand first this concept of Christ living in you, you're never going to get the full measure. So we'll take just a, a few minutes and, and talk. Paul said, I'm crucified. I'm crucified with Christ. I read one commentary that says, we don't struggle as much with us coming down off the cross and Christ going on the cross as we do with Christ coming off the cross and us getting on the cross. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's really good. And it's the truth. We don't have an issue with accepting the salvation and and. And, and accepting the salvation in Christ dying for our sins, being our substitute on the cross. But where our struggle comes in is swiplad around and us getting on the cross and us being on the cross. Basically, what's happened is, what are we talking about when we're talking about being created? Now, you know... I don't have to tell any of you. I should not have to tell any of you this. That it doesn't mean that this is not, we're not talking about physical death. We're talking about a, 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 something that happens inside our heart. Something that happens inside our spirit that changes us. We're talking about a change of heart and will. That's basically what we're talking about. Romans 6.6 6 says this, and I'm reading it out of the, out of the, the Good News translation. Romans 6.6 6 says, And we know that our old being has been put to death with Christ on his cross, in order that the power of the sinful self might be destroyed, so that we should be no longer slaves to sin. So that we should be no longer slaves to sin. Galatians 5.24 in the New Living Translation says this, those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Those who belong to Jesus or Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. 
Galatians 6.14 says this, again in the New Living Translation. As for me, I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest, listen to this, this is so good. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also been crucified. So what happens when we talk about this being crucified with Christ, we're talking about a change of heart and a change of will. We don't struggle any longer with our own efforts to be holy. Now, I know none of you have done this, but I have. I've struggled with this effort of thinking, I have to do something. I have to do, I think it was Jim Hockaday when he was here, really hammered this home, didn't he? This thing about thinking, I have to do something. I have to, I, I, I have to do something. I, all I have to do is step out in faith and believe what the Word says and walk in that. That's it. Why do we make this so dadgum hard? Why do we make it such a, you know, just such an effort? Well, all we have to do is take what this word says and believe it and watch it work. Watch it change us. I'm not doing a very good job of keeping track of myself here. The management of my life now conforms to the nature and character of Christ. The management of my life, when I am crucified with him, the management of that quits being on what I can do. It quits being what I think I have to do or what I should do, and it starts depending on the nature of Christ. It starts resting in the nature of Christ. You know how much freedom there is in discovering that and really getting that into your spirit? You know how much freedom that is, knowing I can't do this, so why, I, why worry about it? I can't do this, so why am I stressing over this? Instead of resting in Christ, resting in his finished work, and letting his, the work of the cross, letting the work and the word do in me what needs to be done. It's not struggling to be the person I have been designed to be. It's surrendering the management of my life to Christ so that he can recreate his spirit in me. That's basically what happens. We get into this and really basically what happens is the spirit of Christ is being recreated in us. It's being reformed in us. Our character, our nature is changing. We don't think about the things we used to think about. We don't want to do the things that we used to do. We don't want to say the things that we used to say. Everything coming out of us is Christ. Well, some of you at least look like you believe what I'm telling you. Come on, folks, this, this, is, this is what we exist in. This is what, what makes us tick. It's the life of Christ in us. That's what sets us apart. That's what makes us different. 
That's what make and should make us attractive and, and what we have attractive to the world is the life of Christ in us. It means an end of me as a sinner, a person trying to earn or merit my place in Christ as self-sufficient or a self-serving Christian. It's the end of trying to naturally develop qualities and characteristics that can only be developed supernaturally. It's the end of me trying this. It's, it's me fully understanding there's nothing good in me, nothing that merits this, nothing that I, I, I can do that'll get it for me. The old hymn, we were just listening to it on the way to church this morning. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Careful, you could get excited about that. I dare not trust in anything else. I cannot put my trust in anything else. As much as I love you guys, and as much as I care about you as my spiritual family, my trust is not in you. I have a great pastor, but my trust is not in him. And he would tell you the same about anybody else. Our trust and our confidence and our focus is Christ and Christ alone. <laughs> Glory to God. I've been hearing this phrase, and it just, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. You start talking to somebody, and they'll, and they'll tell you this. Well, I have to find my own faith. You heard that? I hate that. I hate it. Come on. I cannot find my own faith. You know really what I'm saying? Simply, I'm simply saying this. Let me find a way to serve God that fits my lifestyle. That puts as few spiritual demands on me as possible. That makes me feel good. That makes me feel comfortable. That doesn't take me out of my little safe place. A faith that doesn't interfere with how I want to live. Gives me just enough of Jesus to make me feel good. And Pete, you know what? People will even do this in regards to their own giftings and the giftings and the calling God gives to them. They get this, this, that same mental, well, I can't, I, can't, I can't operate outside of my gifting or my calling. You ask him to do something, well, I can't really do that because that's not my gifting or my calling. And if you're, if, you're, if, if you're not careful, your calling and your gifting becomes more important than living in Christ. And I mean, I, I, unless it exists within the boundaries of my calling or gifting, I refuse to submit or offer myself for service. It's not on my spiritual radar. 
You know what should be on your spiritual radar? That I am offering myself up no matter what. I'm offering myself up no matter what God tells me to do. We talked about this yesterday. And I told, I told the guys, I, I, I said this. And we were talking about being men of war. And I told him, I said, there's no exceptions. There's no exclusions in this. You offer yourself up. You don't let the enemy put limitations on you. You don't let the, the enemy tell you, I can't do this because of this or this or this. You look and you get your assignment, and then you fulfill your assignment. It doesn't matter what it is. It may not be within your calling. Maybe God's just wanting to see how willing you are to do what he asks you to do. Maybe he's just trying to get you to realize that your calling is not more important than listening to what he says. Your gifting is not more important than following his direction and putting yourself in a place where you'll do whatever he asks you to do. Ooh. I must operate on and within the scope of God's spiritual parameters. I have to be willing to do that. I don't set the rules. I don't set the parameters. He does. And my job is not to worry about whether it's in my calling or my gifting, but it's in my obedience. He goes on. Enough of that. You can't find enough to chew on right there. I told you, folks, I lost sleep over this. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to qualify by saying this right now. I have not got this down pat yet. I do not have this down pat. I'm still working on this. Y'all just have to listen to it for like 45 minutes. I've been listening to this for weeks. And I really, I really, you know, especially this last week, I started doing what Doug Jones talked about last week. Think time. Think time. If you haven't tried putting that into practice, you need to. Because I'm telling you what, all of a sudden the light bulbs start going on. Boop, 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 boop. And you start seeing things that you haven't seen before. He goes on, he said, I've been crucified with Christ. But it's not me that lives. It's Christ that lives in me. And again, I, when I thought about this, I think it was Jim Hockney that gave us the example about the guy standing in front of the mirror and the enemy saying, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And all of a sudden, Jesus stepping between, he, he looked in the mirror and he saw the enemy in the mirror, I believe, right? Something like that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> anyway, he saw the enemy in the mirror. And the enemy was telling him, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. And all of a sudden, he saw Jesus step between him and the mirror and say, oh, no, you won't. You want to know why? And then Jesus stepped back into the man. Wow, what a powerful picture. What a powerful illustration 
<laughs> Glory to God. I'm telling you, it, it, hold on to yourself. So you don't want to get too excited about this. <laughs> Understanding when the enemy cannot do anything, anything to you, when Christ steps inside of you, he loses all rights. I, I, I love this story. I think it was, I heard, I think Mario Murillo told us when I was down there, true story about this guy. And uh, there was a, his family moved into the neighborhood, into this neighborhood, and they were Christian people. So they're, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're going out and witnessing. They're going out and telling, well, the guy across the street, this guy's, this guy's demon possessed. He's devil, he's a devil worshiper. And so they, this neighbor, he's going over constantly, and he's telling this guy about Jesus. And so this guy is fed up with it. He's cussed this guy out. He's done everything he can do, and here comes that guy again. So he decides, and he, he tells the demons that, that are in him, go over to his house and make his life miserable so he'll leave me alone. And if this is the guy, the guy that was telling this story was the guy this, this happened to. He said those demons came back to him and said, don't you ever send us over there again. <laughs> you send us over again to make his life miserable. We're going to come back and we're going to make your life living hell. Said that guy, he said, and this is the guy, he said, I made my way across the street to that neighbor. And I said, what? Do you have that I need? What is it in you that I need? He ended up giving himself his heart to the Lord and serving God. It was a guy telling the story. See, when Christ lives in us, the devil loses all, all, A L L, in the Greek, the Hebrew. He loses all hold on us. Christ lives in us. That word life lives means, the, the Greek word is zeo, Z-A-O. And it simply means this. It is the essence of life, the literal essence of life. So what Paul was saying when he was said, Christ lives in me, he was saying the very essence of Christ is here. The very essence of Christ. We talked about it last night. Not the ability to love, but love. Not the ability to serve, but the heart of a servant. Not the ability to have compassion and mercy, but compassion and mercy. Not the ability to display the power, but the power. It's here. Glory to God, I'm going to get this through to you. What he's saying is literally that Christ is literally the essence of my life. Do you know what our lives would be like if we, <laughs> if we got this in its fullness? We would be scary. We would be scary people. Literally, spiritually, we'd be scary people. Spiritually scary. Because we'd have so much of the essence and life of Christ flowing through us, 
people wouldn't know what to do with this. It's not a future provision. This is not something we're looking to, that's something we're hoping for. It is a present attainment. <laughs> it's not a future provision. It is a present attainment, a present reality. Christ lives in me. That's reality. That's, that's a reality that you can really walk in and you can really put your feet on and say, this is, this is it. This is reality. When the enemy comes and he tries to pound you with things, you can say, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Christ in me. Christ is in me. Christ is in me. I have the nature of Christ in me. I have the essence of Christ in me. You say that enough to a devil, he's going to get tired of coming around and getting his head punched in. Because he has no defense for that. You have to understand that. The enemy has no defense when you get this into your spirit. Go ahead, devil. Go ahead. Give it your best shot. I've got Jesus in me. <laughs> That's the old story. My dad used to tell it about Sunday school class. And the teacher was teaching, and she asked the little kids, what would you do if you heard a knock on your door? And you looked up, and it was the devil there. What would you do? And they thought, and they thought, one little girl finally raised her hand. She said, I know what I'd do. And, and the teacher said, what would you do? She said, I'd just go tell Jesus to answer the door. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Come on, folks. We got to quit answering the door and start sending Jesus to open the door. Because when he opens the door, the devil can all he can do is go, that's all he can do. He has no defense. He has no defense. He is defenseless. He is powerless when we understand this. Christ in me. He lives in me. It's a life that gets its resource from Christ. A life that is influenced by the will of Christ. It is a life that breathes the spirit of Christ. It is a life that is in living fellowship with Christ. Everything about you is Jesus. You ever met anybody like that? I, I remember one guy. Uh, his name was uh, went, his name was George Warnick. He was from Cranbrook, British Columbia. He was an old carpenter, just a carpenter. And uh, my brother-in-law had met him. He was telling me about this guy. He was in he's probably in heaven now because he was in his 80s then. And so my brother-in-law invited us. They, they were going to go up to his house for uh, Thanksgiving. So they asked if we could come along. So I thought, yeah, we'll go. And uh, this guy was running with guys like Leonard Ravenhill and David Wilkerson, guys like that. David Wilkerson said of this guy, I finally met somebody that not one word that came from his mouth fell to the ground. And I'm like, so I got to meet Brother George, little bitty guy, well, about my size. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I knew that's what some of you are thinking, so I just <laughs> thought I'd save you the trouble. So, and he was, he was just a quiet, just a quiet man. Very quiet, didn't say a whole lot. So we had Thanksgiving dinner. It was just awesome. Had a really good time. And so my brother-in-law, Tim, and I, and, and uh, his son-in-law, we sat down with George after, after dinner, and that guy began talking, and I was like, holy smoke. I have never met anybody. It was like rivers flowing out of this guy, man. I mean, it, 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 he was saying things, and you're sitting there going, you know, why didn't I see that? Why and he was just a simple man. But yet he had gotten, the, <laughs> he'd gotten this thing of Christ in him down. I mean, it was, it, was, it was Jesus this, Jesus that. Everything he said. I, one thing I remember, <laughs> there was a young lady sitting there with us. And we were talking about, and she says, what are your thoughts on the mark of the beast? He said, well, he said, I'll tell you. He said, I don't worry too much about that. He said, I'm more concerned with the mark of Christ. <laughs> and I'm like, hello. But see, when you get this concept of Jesus Christ in you, the revelation that begins to come, it just it, it blows you away. You're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It never stops. Because he's constantly at work in you. He's constantly moving you. He's constantly talking to you. Holy Spirit is constantly revealing to you. Can you, can you even, does it even register with you what would happen to us? What we would be like? What this church would be like? Oh my goodness. It's living so completely in Christ. I love this. It's a life that is energized and motivated by the same elements and divine principles that God himself adheres to. I'm going to say it again. It's a life that is energized and motivated by the very same elements and divine principles that God himself adheres to. Whoa. That's the kind of life you're living Living so completely in Christ that we are completely oblivious to the existence of any other personality. <laughs> if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away and everything has become new. Man, I'll tell you what. It, it, we got to go back and we got to look at some of these scriptures and we got to see the power. We got to see the truth. We got to see the life changing aspects of these scriptures that we rattle off every day and don't even think about what we're saying. I include myself in that. 1 Corinthians 13 8. 13 18. Let's look at it real quick. Lord to God, I may run out of notes before I run out of time. I might have to write that one down. <laughs> I asked the Lord, I said, why is it that I can't get through all my notes? He said, stop making so many. <laughs> so I said, well, that makes sense. 
2 Corinthians 13. Um, help me, Jesus, I lost my place. 13.18. No, that's not right. 3.18? It's 3.18. Maybe. Or maybe it's 13.8. Hey, let's just see where we go here. Nope. Anyway, it's it, you know the scripture. Again, it's a very simple one. Ah, it's 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So what's it saying? It's like looking into a mirror. It's, it's, it, he says, uh, I got it in the Amplified, but I can't read it because the printer cut it off, so... Uh, but it's, it's, it's the same thing. Can you put it up there in the Amplified? Jonah, put it up there in the Amplified so we can look at it. Sec, first, Second Corinthians 3.18. Oh, help him, Lord. Give him fast fingers. <laughs> I'm having fun with this this morning. I am. I'll tell you what, it's been a good weekend, man. Hallelujah. And all of us as with unveiled face, because we continually behold in the word of God as in a mirror of the glory of God, are constantly being transfigured into his, what? Very own image in ever-increasing splendor, and from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I love that. Being transfigured. Into his very own image. It's like looking into a mirror and seeing Jesus. <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, I don't always see him. I see the old man. I see that knot head that wants to come entirely sometimes just bow his neck and say, I'm not doing it. But when I understand this thing of Christ living in me, it's like looking in a mirror, and it's like seeing Jesus looking back at me. Oh, ha. Ah. Paul is proclaiming that it's that thing of seeing Jesus. Now, we, have, we get this goofy mindset, in, 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 and I know you've heard people say it. I know you haven't ever said it, but you've heard people say it. If I do this, I don't get to be me. I'm not me. I, it's taking away my individuality. There, it could, nothing could be further from the truth. It's not taking away from your individuality. It's enhancing it. <laughs> It's enhancing who you are. It's enhancing what God has made you to be. It magnifies how God really created me, and it diminishes what sin did to me. <laughs> oh, you missed a good chance to shout there. It enhances what God created me to be, and it takes away what sin did to me. Hallelujah. 
It's believing that my individuality becomes filtered through Christ's nature instead of my carnal nature. <laughs> my individuality becomes filtered through the nature of Christ instead of the nature of my carnality. Hallelujah. It's a lifestyle and a mindset that is constantly pulling me toward the Father. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's good news. That's good stuff. The question I have to ask myself is, am I living that? Am I living in a manner that I am constantly being pulled toward the Father? That I am constantly being pulled into a deeper fellowship and a deeper intimacy with him? That's Christ living in me. It's that constant, constant, constant fellowship. We get this idea, this is the habitation of Christ. He doesn't leave. He stays. He's, it. He's, he's come to make himself at home. He's rearranging the furniture. We're giving him the right. To, can you imagine buying a house? I don't know how I got off in this. Buying a house. And the people that used to own that house come in and say, hey, wait, 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 wait. That doesn't go there. This goes there. Or, hey, that's, that's not the color this room is supposed to be. They lose that right. Why? Because they're not the ones who own the house anymore. Oh, you're tracking with me. You know where I'm going here. When we come to live and have this life of Christ in us, we've given up possession of the vessel. We've given up possession of the home. So we don't have any more say in who, what goes where and where it goes and what color. No, no, no. That, that's, the owner's, that's the owner's prerogative now. So when we have the life of Christ in it, we're, we're, we're giving up that. We're, we're saying, yeah, you know, put the furniture where you want it. That's your call, not mine. It's a lifestyle and a, a mindset that's constantly, constantly, you got to get this in your heart, constantly moving you toward the Father. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man, this is good stuff. Uh, don't you just love the Word of God? <laughs> don't you just love it? Everything, and I was praying this morning, and I was talking, talking to the Lord, and I said, Man, this word is everything, Father. There's nothing. There's nothing that it doesn't take care of. There's nothing that it doesn't provide for. There's nothing that it doesn't give me that I need. It's always there. It's, I mean, it's, it doesn't matter. Stick around very long. And if you haven't been here very long, stick around because you'll understand how big of an importance and how big an emphasis we place on this book. It is everything. It's bigger than personality. It's bigger than program. It's bigger than agenda. <laughs> Hallelujah. I wasn't even in my notes. Got that one for free. <laughs> and then he goes on and he finishes off by saying this. The life I now live, I live by faith. I live by faith. 
I live by faith in the, in the Son of God, the one who gave him to love me and gave him so I live it by faith. You know, I looked at this in, in, in a lot of the commentaries I looked at. It is the literal translation is not I live by faith, but I live in faith. I live in faith in the Son of God. There's a big difference there. You know that? There's a big difference in living by something and living in something. If you're living by something, then that means that there are two entities. I think somebody, was it you brought this up in the long ago? Somebody brought this up. Two entities. But maybe it was you. But then when you talk about living in something, you're talking about one entity. Your faith doesn't become a set of rules and regulations. It becomes a lifestyle. <laughs> it's who you are. It's who you are. Hallelujah. It's a life filled with confident expectation and understanding that I am loved, accepted, and empowered by Christ living in me. <laughs> I'm going to say it again. It's a life filled with confident expectation and understanding that I am loved, accepted, and empowered because Christ lives in me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm a little excited about this. this <laughs> Romans 8, 2. Let's look at it real quick. Romans 8, 2. It says this, for the law of the spirit, the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life, where? In Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So what's Paul saying here? He's saying, and he's proclaiming that he now possesses a spiritual life and virtue that originated in God himself. Oh, you got to get that. He's saying that there's a life in me now that originated in God himself. Believing that the source of spiritual life exists in me, at work in me, alive in me. It's at work in me. It exists in me, and it is alive in me. I am no longer reliant on, he's, he's saying, I, I don't rely on my feeble efforts anymore. Remember what, what you, when he talked about, he said, that there's, there, there, there's, there's an issue I have, <laughs> for lack of a better word. This is Mark's translation. I find out, I find it being that the things I should do, I don't do, and the things I don't need to do are the things that I do. Ever found yourself in that place? And so what Paul's saying is, uh, because Christ is in me, I'm, not, I'm no longer relying on these feeble efforts, my feeble effort to try to get this done. I'm not, I'm not relying on me to get it done anymore. I'm relying on Christ. I'm relying on his life. I'm relying on the breath of God 
breathing through me. Because that happens, I can speak to, to dry bones and they come to life. <laughs> I can speak to that which is not as though it were. Let that one get into your spirit. When Jesus said, you ask anything in my name and I'll do it. The literal translation of that simply means this. If I don't have it, I'll get it. Or out of nothing, I'll create it. That's what's alive in us. You start to understand this. It's not my effort. Man, if you don't remember anything else I say this morning, remember that. It is not my job to get this done. It is my job to walk in it. It is my job to believe what has already been established for me. That's when you really start to understand your identity in Christ. That's when it really starts to hit home with you. When you understand the power of Christ is living in me. That I don't have to obtain this. I don't have to go through all the spiritual hoops and gyrations that everybody goes through. I can simply rely on Christ. I can say, oh, Lord, I'm out of time. Got to quit. In other words, Christ possesses what? Uh, in other words, what Christ possesses, I now possess. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.